Welcome to an honest heart-to-heart and transparent conversation about all things mental health. Love it or risk it. Navigating with you in this crazy thing we call life is yours truly, Christine. Every episode, I want to make us comfortable with the uncomfortable and give voice to the unspoken struggles or outspoken ones. Let's break the stigmas and stereotypes of the day-to-day mental health and live a liberating life. So, whether you love it or this topic makes you squirm, all are welcome. I'm giving you fair warning, so if you're heading out, hopefully I'll see you soon. But if you're still there, relax, take a seat, grab your choice of liquid therapy, and let's get started. Hello, welcome back. Today, I decided that I am going to continue a conversation on friendship. The Friendship Breakup series seems to have been the most popular series thus far, and or actually the most popular episodes listened to so far, and it seems like that everyone is hungry to hear more concerning friendships. So in my last series of Friendship Breakup, I had mentioned on one of the episodes very briefly about um, seasonal friendships and um, how some aren't breakups, but they're just basically a fading of a friendship. That was something that I really didn't get into in any of the last series too much in depth. And I just kind of wanted to come back to that conversation because not necessarily when a friendship ends, is it a breakup? With a friendship breakup, as mentioned before, it could be for a series of reasonings and oftentimes it's hurtful. Um, Both parties can be hurt or one or the other could be hurt. But what happens if you just kind of fade? I'm pretty sure that most people have experienced friendship fading and I like to call it seasonal friendships uh, because people get busy People have changes of lifestyles that may not suit the other friend in the relationship. Proximity may change or location where you're no longer attending the same church or you're no longer attending the same college or whatnot. Maybe you're in a different state. So I kind of wanted to talk about seasonal friendships and what fading looks like in those friendships and how we can handle those. I know for so long, I have had certain groups of friends um, through a friendship fading situation that became quite hurtful for myself when it felt like I was the one more invested in the friendship. So what do you do when that happens? You know, I'm learning that all friendships are not supposed to be forever. I know that's ideal and I think that... Maybe we grew up with that thought that we're supposed to be friends forever. I know you see that cute little, um, the initials BFF, best friends forever, or FF friends forever. And to me, that is just not realistic for all friendships, for whatever reason. It doesn't have to be a negative. It could just be a a simple lifestyle change, like I said, or... It could be because people change and sometimes when people grow, maybe you've grown out of a friendship with someone. 
But let's talk about how that affects people. Even in seasonal friendships, it can become so hurtful. There may not have been necessarily something negative that happened, but it kind of feels like there's not really a resolution when it comes to this type of friendship. There's no closure. Um, It just feels like it just kind of fades and then just comes to a halt. And so when you have a friendship like that, sometimes it's very hurtful if you are the one that's more invested in the friendship. And from my personal experience, I have experience where I was the one more invested on a couple of occasions that I can think of that I felt that there was more of a foundation in those friendships And if your friendship really does not have a strong foundation, even the smallest of hiccups can cause a breach in the friendship and then fading happens without there ever have been any type of negative ending or closure. So I just kind of want to share that with you that if you are one that you feel like there's been a friend that maybe you thought was more invested in the relationship than you were. And then all of a sudden you realize if you're not the one reaching out, it's dead air or it feels like ghosting, then you're not alone. And yes, it can become very hurtful. And so I think what has helped me personally with this is just realizing that not everybody is as invested as I am Not everybody is going to be invested in a friendship as you are. And you start to notice who really cares when you stop reaching out and those people just conveniently, you don't hear back from them. You're not hanging out with them any longer and maybe their life is too busy. But folks, I believe 100% in my heart that we all have the same amount of time in a day. And so when we say that we are too busy... I really feel like that's a crutch for the most part because it takes literally two seconds to text someone nowadays with this technology that we all use and two seconds to say, hey, just reaching out, just want to say, hey, maybe we can reconnect at some point. For the folks that do not choose to do that, you unfortunately were not on their priority. And that's a harsh reality. And that's something that I've had to really kind of heal from because it's hurtful when you have such chemistry with friends. Maybe you have a hobby that you all like to enjoy together and you don't have another set of friends or another friend that likes to do that same thing. And then it just fades. No one reaches out um, if you were always the initiator. And it really sucks and it's hurtful. But I just want to encourage you to just realize that not every friend is going to be for a lifetime. I believe in my heart and from my experience that friendships sometimes are meant to be seasonal. Maybe you're going through something that, you know, there's a friend that comes into your life that's beneficial and may help you through a tough time. Maybe at that point you may feel more invested in that friend, but in that friend's mind and in that friend's perspective, they're just there 
to help you for a season. Or sometimes certain type of friends are just there for the convenience of it. If you are conveniently attending the same events or church that they're going to, or you're conveniently living down the street from them, and then if that's not so convenient, you may not ever hear from them again. And I just want to let you know that when that happens What you could do, and it's something that I've done, is you can embrace the friends that you have that literally have reciprocity, meaning there is reciprocation between you and them, a back and forth dialogue. It's not just one-sided. It's not just you continuously trying to reach out and beat a dead horse. And I have found out, you know, the hard way that It's not going to be my time that I am giving up constantly when it's a one-sided relationship or friendship. It's just, it really does need to be reciprocal. And I'm sure we all have a friend, I would hope. Maybe you don't have a friend. Um, However, if you don't, it's always helpful to put yourself in situations to meet new people, which can be uncomfortable. But instead of focusing on the pain and hurt and abandonment of the seasonal friendships that may have just faded out for whatever reason, try to embrace the friendships that are meaningful and the people that actually will consistently be in your life. And that may not be every week. I feel like Continual friendships and long-term friendships literally don't have to be on a daily or weekly basis. Uh, My best friend, I may see her every few months and I know she is busy, but when we get together, it's with intentionality and I know that she is there if I need her and I have other friends that I see more frequent that I have close friendships with. But there has to be a measure of both reaching out, a measure of equal efforts. And sometimes I understand that one season in a person's life may be busier than the other friend in the situation. So you may reach out more at one point, but there still needs to be a back and forth, a dance, a rhythm between your friendship where you're not just constantly the only one keeping your friendship alive. And so I just kind of wanted to touch on that um, for those of you who just feel so hurt that you have a friend that you feel like just won't reach out to you unless you're the one reaching out. And that that is a hard concept. But, you know, the problem is, is when we so focus on the people that we just wish would connect with us more instead of focusing on the people that has been continual in our life, has been consistent, however often that is. I don't think the frequency is what matters. I just think consistency is something that's very important in a lasting friendship. And if you want a seasonal friendship to be a more lasting friendship, it does have to be intentional. There are so many distractions nowadays with so many different things diverting our attention. It's easy for us to get all caught up into the busyness of life. But I feel like 
the best of friendships are ones that just are very intentional. And I feel like seasonal friendships, for some reason or another, does not have the foundation to make it last for whatever reason that is. And I think that we build friendship foundations by showing up as our true selves, by being authentic, by being selfless, by being available. That doesn't mean that you're always available to drop everything at every whim and call. No, I mean, let's be realistic here. There's going to be times that maybe we're not going to be available, but to just be able to show up the best that you can with what you have and hopefully the other person understands that. I also know that touching back on what I said about growth and seasonal friendships, sometimes we just simply outgrow people and that's not a negative thing. There may be someone who is either stuck in a certain type of communication style or a certain type of lifestyle and you kind of want to move up and you feel like that person's life or communication style may hinder your growth. It definitely can be a conversation. I feel like when we're intentional in our friendships and we're true friends with people, we should be able to be honest. We should be able to speak our mind and come to people with our concerns without feeling like there's going to be some horrible repercussion or breach in the friendship with, without being you know, our true self and so, or with being our true self rather. Um, I, I've experienced that personally also when there's been a negative thought or feeling. Some people just really don't like to face negative things. And in any lasting marriage, in any lasting friendship, there's going to be a bump in the road. And if you're not able to communicate that in a way that's tactful without there being the other party avoiding you or not wanting to spend as much time with you because that makes them feel uncomfortable. Folks, that is a problem on their end. That's not your problem and it shouldn't become your problem. People do not like confrontation nowadays. People do not like to hear the hard truth and the hard truth can be spoken in love. And that is something that I have grown into and have learned over the years. You don't have to be a bull in a china cabinet, as the saying goes, to get your point across. You can tactfully tell somebody the truth in love. And if it's not well received because they can't handle conflict, folks, that is not your problem. Move forward, dust your feet and your hands off and move forward in, in relationships and friendships that are mature enough to be able to handle the truth in love, right? So, you know, that's something that I just would like to share with you because not everything is a friendship breakup. Some friendships just aren't going to be there for the long haul. And for the folks that have had friends from childhood all the way up to adulthood, folks embrace those friends because that is just not easy, especially now. It's not easy to keep friendships up. There's so many reasons why people now get offended. There's politics, there's social media, there's texting without tone, so there's misunderstandings. And I feel like the friends that are true blue friends, and my circle of friends know who they are, 
they are something to be treasured and embraced because it's really hard to find people to connect with that can handle the truth, can handle your authentic self. And if you find somebody who does accept you for who you are and is able to continue the journey of life with you, embrace those friends. Thank God for those friends. Culture, um, culture nowadays will not allow us to see the value in friendship and people. There's so much ghosting going on. There's so much cancel culture going on. And I have not been exempt from that. I've been guilty of that myself. So I'm definitely not coming at this with a self-righteous attitude. I know that we've all been guilty to dispose people. But for me, I feel like it's important to examine my friendships that I have right now, the people that are a continual person in my life. And I embrace these people. I'm appreciative of them. And I just want to encourage you to do that also. And in order to heal and move forward from friendship fading or seasonal friendships, you just have to come in a friendship with the expectation of knowing this may not last forever. This may not be a forever relationship or friendship and that's okay. Learn to be comfortable with that concept. I feel like deep feelers or empathic people um, tend to wear their heart on their sleeves and go so deep with people and forget that we are all human beings. We are all flawed. We're going to make mistakes and unfortunately, we're disposable sometimes and you know, for whatever reason, um, myself included, there have been friends that I have literally just not continued to connect with. Maybe there's not the chemistry or the commonality or whatever you want to call it that would keep it strong. And it's not to shame anyone who has faded from a friendship. It's just really the truth. It's speaking the truth and the reality of the thing. And so there's also different levels of friendship. And that also plays into how long of a season a friendship may last for. Uh, we may have friends that, certain friends that are just really a light friendship where certain topics are not to be really talked about uh, because more, maybe it's more of a informal friendship, maybe going out for you know, fun times, events, or coffee, superficial conversations. And, you know, there's space for that too. And that's something that has been an area of growth in my life because I really like the deep core level friendships with deeper conversations and something with substance. And, you know, that's great if you can find people that you are actually so connected with and have so much in common with that you can have those deep level conversations, but you're not going to have all that. All of your friendships are not going to be that type of friendship. So I think what enriches our life are even those seasonal friends. If we want to put it in a positive note, those seasonal friends may get us through some tough times and vice versa. We might be a seasonal friend to someone helping them get through a tough time and it's just for a moment in time. 
And so there's really room for all different levels of friendships if we allow it. And I think that if we don't have to consider everyone a deep level friend and we would welcome people in our life that may perhaps be there for a moment and we're comfortable with that concept, that can enrich our season that we are in in our life. That can fill up the gaps of maybe the closer friends that are not able to be with us all the time, but maybe can be with us on a deeper level ever so often. And so I just thought I would share this with you today. This has really been on my mind and heart since I recorded the Friendship Breakup series, and I really wanted to touch back on the seasonal friendships that just have some fading or that fade over time and kind of give you a perspective on that and hope that this encourages someone who may be in a time in their life where they feel stunned or hurt that that seasonal friend just faded out and really was not as invested as perhaps you may have been. So I hope all is well with you. I really want to thank my listeners for your support. I think it's difficult sometimes to figure out a way to leave a five-star review because I myself am trying to figure that out with other fellow podcasters that I enjoy listening to. But if you can, please leave a five-star review. And when you do, there'll be a time where I actually read your review on a future episode. What this does is it puts this content out there and allows this to be up on the search engine when someone is searching for a topic that may be included in my podcast. So as always, thank you so much for your support. And I will talk to you next time. Hello friends, welcome back to another episode. Today I'm going to be deconstructing the subject of mental health within the church and amongst believers and Christians. All is welcome to listen and to be honest, whether you're a believer or not, mental health struggles is a part of being a human being and everyday life. So You're welcome, no matter who you are, to listen to this um, episode, and I hope that you find it beneficial. What really got my mind to turn and my brain to turn around this subject recently was a Facebook friend who had posted a reel on a recent visit to church where the pastor had mentioned, if you are having a mental health struggle, the majority of that struggle is found within not focusing on Jesus. I summarized it in so many words. So it got me to thinking about how I despise the fact that the church is so uncomfortable with mental health struggles. And I really despise the fact that human emotions have been found amongst a lot of people within the church to be sinful, and I could not disagree anymore. So let's take a dive into that and kind of talk about that and what that looks like. Why is it that it's so uncomfortable for people in the church, leaders and pastors, and even amongst Christians, for us to admit that we have an issue with mental health? 
Well, I think there's multiple answers to that. There's not just one answer. It's really not a black and white subject. It's very complex. I think that it's uncomfortable for people to face human emotion, oftentimes just in general, whether you're a Christian or not. I think that oftentimes people feel vulnerable talking about their emotions or even their mental health struggles. And that's that's very understandable. But in the confines of speaking of church and mental health struggles, the church I look at as should be a hospital for those who are struggling, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically. The church is a place where you do not need to come polished in order to be welcomed. But oftentimes, we as Christians, we want to mask our struggles and we want we want to display some jargon or Christianese. How are you doing? Oh, great. Praise God. Blessed and highly favored. And these are these are things that I look at and I'm like, well, that's nice if you really mean what you say. But a lot of times that's not how one is feeling. A lot of times one is going through a struggle but yet they do not feel comfortable sharing the struggle. Church has not always been a safe place for that. And so I kind of just want to deconstruct those false beliefs that having human emotion and having mental health struggles is a lack of faith or a lack of focus on Christ Uh, mental health struggles can be a result of many different things. It could be hormonal. It could be childhood trauma. It could be adulthood trauma. It could be a crisis that we're experiencing in a season of our life. Um, There's just various reasonings for mental health struggles. So I kind of just want to educate and break that down for those who have been taught to believe that if you are struggling with your mental health, that A, you're sinning, and B, you're not focused on Christ or don't have enough faith. Let's deconstruct those thoughts and those patterns of beliefs because I'm here to tell you, friend, that that is usually not the case. And so let's talk about something here. I found it quite interesting as a student when I was in the my undergrad I had an elective that I selected um, that was counseling women, and it was from a Christian perspective, and the professor was also the author of the text, and so oftentimes if you've gone to college and you have the privilege of having a professor who is also the author of a text, that's, that's kind of exciting, right? You think, wow, this person is scholarly. Um, they've got their doctorates, there's some great things that's going to come from this learning experience. And so I was really hyped about it. And then as time passed in the class, I was really um, disturbed and really saddened by something that was said from this author slash professor because her book was on counseling women, and yet there's some things that she said that were so false. And I just kind of want to deconstruct that. And it was the fact that 
emotion such as anxiety is sinful. Now, mind you, these human emotions that we experience, what we do with them could be sinful, right? So if I have anger and I go punch someone in the face, I'm sinning against them and myself. And so, yes, what I did with that emotion could have been a sin, right? But having the emotion in and of itself is not a sin. And so I just want to clarify that. I would like to share that because this was something that disturbed me so bad because there are so many people out there that because of the title and because of the education and the background of this particular professional, people were going to take her word at face value. And it's not true, folks. It's not true. And I can tell you why it's not true. Because Jesus himself experienced anxiety. Anxiety right now is the number one mental health issue that people are coming to therapy about. And Jesus himself experienced anxiety. It's found in Matthew 26, 39. He was asking for, for God to take this cup from him. And what it meant by that was he knew he was about to be crucified. And he was experiencing so much anxiety um, with that because that's scary if you know you're about to be put to death. And so... He experienced this anxiety and so he went through this this emotional angst to the point where a medical phenomena called hematohydrosis where you actually sweat blood happened to him and that's found in Luke 22:44. And so although this can be a blood disorder In this case, he was under a lot of duress and distress, and so the anxiety was to the point of sweating blood. And that's found in the Bible, folks. So for people like that professor, or maybe you've heard a pastor, or even a friend that means well. Now, I can tell you the intention and the motive behind these things that these people are saying. I'm going to believe that they mean well. However, it's really not beneficial to be told that a human emotion that Jesus himself experienced is sinful. Anger, that's another emotion within the church that is just frowned upon. Jesus himself was angry, found in Matthew 21, 12 through 17, when he turned over the tables because people were making a market out of the temple. Jesus also experienced the grief in the in, in, in Matthew 26, 36 through 46, where he was again experiencing grief and sadness about what was to come for his destination, but still willing for God to do what he needed to do in his death. So those things I just kind of want to go over with you and remind you that if you have been told in any way or capacity that having these emotions is a sin and that you have been shamed for having these emotions, that is false. Those are false, my friend, and I want to encourage you to seek help. There's different avenues for you out there. Therapy is a big one. Obviously, I'm an advocate for therapy. Um, 
also through communal support. If you do not have the resources for therapy, find a healthy friend or loved one that you can actually speak with that would be beneficial and safe for you to share what you're going through. Because healing is found in community and support. It's not found in isolation. So those instances have really become bothersome to me because I feel like so many people have believed this lie. And it's just such an uncomfortable thing to confront oftentimes amongst believers in the church. People feel like they have to walk in with this mask that you know, everything is perfect. Everything is great. Praise God, bless God. But let's, you know, look in the Bible and see for those of you who are believers and have been told and believe that having these emotions is sinful. And if you're having mental health struggles, you're just lacking the faith or your eyes are not on Jesus. Those are lies. And we can deconstruct those by really reading the word for what it is and finding out what the truth is and what the Bible says about those things and topics. I just feel like it's so sad for people to believe that. And then instead of getting help, oftentimes if something is frowned upon or not condoned or stigmatized, what happens? Those things go brushed under the rug and undealt with, and then they become issues, physical issues. Let's break down the word disease. There's two words within the word, dis and ease. When we have a dis and ease where something we're not at ease with can become escalated if it's not dealt with, we can become very physically sick. We can have illness and disease and So if you are told, if this is a stigma that you are told that, oh, just focus on Jesus or just have more faith, just pray harder and these things will go away and you don't deal with these in the proper manner and you just suppress them because they're so taboo that you just don't even want to face it, this becomes sickness in your body and it's often found in immune disorders. It's often found with migraines and a bunch of other types of illness and disease such as cancer. But a lot of people do not realize that that's what you're doing to yourself when you don't deal with these things properly. So I just thought I would share that with you today. I just thought I would kind of want to deconstruct the lies that you have been told And I'm not here to shame anyone that may have either believed this or shared this with someone. I want to believe that everyone who says this, whether it's a pastor, a leader, just a, you know, just anybody really, if no matter who you are, if you have shared with somebody else that they just need to pray harder, they just need to focus on Jesus or their lack of faith has got them feeling these type of emotions or mental health struggles. Um, I'm not here to shame you, but I'm here to educate you and let you know that there is a more helpful way, and that is through the truth. And the truth of the matter is, is those things are not it. That is not it. If we're going to tell people that they're struggling uh, because of their lack of faith, that's not where it's at. 
Jesus himself struggled with those things as a human, and yet he never sinned. He never sinned. But as the human that he was when he walked this earth, he experienced those emotions. And no one can say, well, he didn't have his eyes on God. No, he did. He actually did. He was praying for God to take the cup from him. And the cup was his death that was to come that he knew about. And that if he could not take it from him, let it be God's will. So that within, in and of itself, should tell you that he himself had struggles and yet did not sin. And so I just want to encourage each and every one of you, if you are struggling, whether you're in the faith or not in the faith, if you're not in the faith, I highly recommend Jesus. I don't recommend religion. I don't recommend legalism from people who are religious. What I recommend is the healer as well as some advocation as well as getting some sort of help or treatment because you're not alone. You are not alone. So as I said in another episode, I was going to share a review for those of you who will leave a review for me. This episode was on church trauma and spiritual abuse. My writer that wrote in and left a review stated, I love it. As a chaplain, this is a reoccurring assessment among my patients. Spiritual wounds are harder to heal than physical ones. Jesus said your sins are forgiven rather than rise and walk. So thank you for that review. I really appreciate it. And that kind of goes alongside of what I'm talking about today. Because honestly, deception can become spiritual abuse in the church. And if you've been shamed for having a human emotion, that is another form of spiritual abuse. If you have been blamed for your mental health struggles, that is spiritual abuse. Maybe the intention or the motive behind it was not to be abusive. However, if it is causing some sort of pain and suffering at the hands of someone that has a position of power, whether that be a pastor leader or someone who may be so-called educated with theology, it still is spiritual abuse. So let's not go around telling people that. Let's start by normalizing the fact that people in the faith and in the church, including and especially leaders, are all struggling at one point in time. We all have mental health struggles. I feel like a lot of times it's unfortunate, but people look at leadership, whether that be a professor, an author, a pastor, someone with a platform as a hierarchical type of uh, perspective, like, wow, they're up there. They've gone somewhere. They're above and beyond. And I'm low and down here. Well, that's not true because we all have the same struggles. We all put our pants on the same way. And we all are human beings with human emotions. And so what that means is no one is better than the other person. 
no one is lacking a struggle at some point in time in this life. So as I wrap up today's episode, I really hope that this resonated with you. If you are listening to this and you have been shaming yourself or wondering, why is it not getting better? I'm praying hard. I'm believing so much. I'm focusing on God, but I'm still struggling. My friend, you're not alone. There are other resources outside of your faith, in addition to your faith, that is very beneficial and helpful for you. And like I mentioned earlier, that can be therapy, whether it's group or individual. That can be communal support or the support of a loved one and friend. Talking to someone, just just verbalizing those things and getting those feelings out into the world and in the open. It's been shown to help decrease somatic, which is physical symptoms within your body. When you keep them stored up, when you keep those struggles stored up and you do not face it and you do not get help or intervention, unfortunately, those things can take a hold of you and make you physically ill and mentally ill in severe cases. So I'm here to encourage you. I thank you so much for listening today. As always, if you resonated with this episode or this episode resonated with you, please leave a five-star review. Tell me what you thought of this episode. I love to hear the feedback, and that also helps this information get out to my listeners when they're searching for these topics. So thank you so much, and until next time, take care. Welcome back to another episode. I know it has been a couple of months. I have been deep into my studies and I'm back today with a new episode on deconstructing and destigmatizing mental health in the church and in the faith. Now, I do realize that there are various audience members who may not share the same faith as I do or may not have faith at all or consider themselves religious. But as I say in my introduction, all is welcome and let's just face it, mental health is universal. So this is really for everyone. So I recently went on Facebook and saw a reel from a Facebook friend of mine who had mentioned that she recently went to a church service and the pastor on the pulpit had mentioned that if you have mental health struggles, The majority of the reasoning is that you don't have your focus on Christ or your eyes aren't focused on Christ in so many words. And that really led me to go back to an experience that I had back in my undergraduate. It was an elective on counseling women from a Christian perspective. And I was really excited about this class because The professor was also the author of the textbook that we were utilizing in that course. So I thought my learning experience was going to be great. My assumption was that this is going to be a really good experience and I just couldn't wait to learn from this class. And so um, to my disgust and really disappointment, 
this professor had mentioned on one of our discussion boards that anxiety was sinful. And that really bothered me because, number one, emotions in and of themselves are not good or bad. Or from a Christian perspective, they're really not sinful. Um, They're just our feelings. Now, what you do with those emotions can become detrimental to yourself, to someone else, and could be sinful, right? If you're angry and you can't control your anger and have 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 a display of anger in an appropriate way, if you hurt someone or assault someone with the anger or verbalize abuse to someone out of anger, of course, that can be considered sinful, right? However, that was not what was being said. What was being said is having anxiety is a sin. And it really led me back to what I have read personally in the Word of God in the Bible about Jesus and how he experienced human emotions. So part of what I'm doing today on this episode is really humanizing Jesus for my audience because I think that a lot of people avoid Christianity and even Jesus because he is dehumanized by a lot of leaders and a lot of Christians that portray him out to be a non-human being. Sure, he's the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. We're not really going to get into the Trinity today. He's many things, but one thing that he was here on earth was a human who also struggled in human emotions and I don't hear anybody really talking about that on the pulpit or a pastor really going into the humanizing characteristics of Jesus and so I'm here today to kind of destigmatize that concept of We really shouldn't verbalize in the church or even as Christians what our human emotions are. I'm here to break that stigma and give you examples and some scriptural examples around the emotions that Jesus actually experienced. Let's go with anxiety first because that's what I'm talking about. That's what this professor slash author was claiming to her students. And she was saying that having anxiety is a sin. And so we go into the scriptures of Matthew 26, 39, where Jesus is asking for this cup to be taken from him. And this was a display of anxiety because the cup he was mentioning was really the situation of his crucifixion. He knew he was going to be crucified. He knew the cross he had to bear and it was overwhelming and he became anxious about it. Even further in Luke twenty two forty four, he actually experiences a medical phenomenon noted as hematohydrosis, which is a blood disorder, but in severe cases of stress, you actually sweat blood. And that's what happened to Jesus in this scriptural passage. So folks, um, we all know anyone that knows Jesus or knows the concept of Jesus knows that he was not a sinner. He did not sin. But yet here we see in the scriptures, he actually experienced human emotions such as, in this case, anxiety. He also experienced sorrow. Back in Matthew 26, 
or excuse me, yes, Matthew 26, 38. He was saying, my soul is with sorrow or overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And then he goes further on to say, stay here and keep watch with me. So two things are happening in this scripture. Number one, he's experienced human emotions such as sorrow. It says right there in the scripture. But not only that, he's asking his disciple to keep watch with him. And that goes to show you how important it is for community, right? When you're feeling those emotions of overwhelm, the support of having witness. He had he needed the witness of someone else while he was struggling in his sorrow. And so that's very important. Another human emotion that has been categorized and really um frowned upon is the emotion of anger but yet Jesus experienced that in the very known Matthew 21 12 through 17 where he overturned tables in the temple because they were making a market and trying to make revenue in the temple which angered Jesus but yet he did not sin in his anger and this one may take you by surprise because I've heard so many times that when we have doubt, that's a sin, do not doubt. But Jesus himself displayed the emotion of doubt when he was on the cross in Mark fifteen thirty four. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was doubting that God was going to intervene on his behalf. He doubted that, and that's why he assumed, why, why have you forsaken me? And yet again, Jesus did not sin. He struggled in human emotions, but he never sinned. And so this just brings me to another point. It is through our confession of our struggle whether you're in the church or not, but if you're in the faith and you are struggling with your mental health or emotionally, there is freedom in confession. And even in 2 Corinthians twelve nine, verse 9, he says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And so within our weakness, his strength is made perfect because it is him who does strengthen us. But in addition to Jesus, because I need him every day, me personally, without Jesus, I don't know where I would be. But Jesus is not the only solution that I have had. In addition to Jesus, there are mental health professionals, there is community, there is medical intervention, and perhaps you need medication. There's nothing wrong with all of these additional interventions. And it really just upsets me. It upsets me really badly that people are made to feel shamed when they experience a human emotion inside of the church and inside of the faith. It's almost like a taboo, like you feel like you need to go to church and put a mask on. And when someone asks, how are you doing? And this is something I've heard many times. Praise God. God is good. He is. But I, I, I'm wondering, how are you doing? Let, we know God is good, but how are you? Oh, blessed and highly favored. 
that's that's good and all but if there is a struggle why is it that you feel like you have to mask that and put on a pretty face and put on a pretty smile and pretend that there's nothing wrong because again there is freedom in confession we are to confess our struggles and it's just such a taboo or stigma inside of the church and inside of the faith to admit the struggle. I mean, I've personally had that experience with a leader that I worked under where that person asked how I was doing and when I was honest about it, I was basically shunned and treated like I had some sort of disease. There was an avoidance and that's really not healthy. I'm here to tell you that's not a healthy reaction to someone who is being a human being and being honest about their struggle. And so that's what I'm trying to paint Jesus as here because oftentimes people avoid Jesus in Christianity because again, I will say it again, he has been portrayed to not be a human with emotions because he was perfect, but yet he struggled. He did struggle with those emotions. He was tempted. He felt pain. He felt anger. He felt anxiety. He had doubt. And yet he was still perfect in God's image. So um, that is just something that I wanted to share with you today. There is so much that could be said on this note and I just find it very beneficial for people to recognize that there is help for you and if you are one that just feels really uncomfortable expressing your emotions that's understandable I think that's part of the problem uh, within in, in the church culture is that people feel that being honest about a struggle is just too vulnerable or maybe they'll be judged as someone who's struggling and um, unfortunately that does happen right there is judgment and it's unfortunate but at the same time I would really love to see in a Christian and church culture for us to normalize these feelings, these human emotions. I'm not saying stay in those emotions, right? Like anxiety, for an example. Anxiety can be something beneficial if it does not become so overwhelming that it constricts your daily life. For an example, if you're about to take an exam, a measure of anxiety is normal, and yet it also motivates you to do what you need to do to pass that exam, and that's to study. That is a normal display of anxiety. Now, where it becomes destructive is if you are overwhelmed with anxiety to the point where it's debilitating, it's interfering with your daily life, it's interfering with your social life. If you are so stricken with anxiety that you literally just cannot function, your daily functioning is inhibited, that is where it's a problem. However, Jesus understood that in this medical phenomenon that I just shared with you. He experienced that. He experienced severe anxiety to the point of sweating blood. And so I want to encourage you, if this is something that you're struggling with, 
like I said earlier, there is intervention, but there is also power in community and confession to where you do not have to be shamed. When we inhibit feelings of struggle, when we inhibit feelings of humanness, oftentimes that will lead to shame. And we really don't need to feel shame because there is no benefit in shame. There is not going to be a benefit as a Christian or even otherwise, if you're not, in carrying around the shame of the struggle. There's not sin in the struggle and there doesn't need to be shame in the struggle, but yet oftentimes there is. And so that is something that I would really like you to think about. And if you are listening and you have been one that's avidly told people, hey, you know, you are struggling because you need to pray more, you need to believe more, you need to have more faith. I am going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm pretty sure that your motive is to help. And I condoned I condone and I commend people trying to help. I'm in the helping profession. However, I just feel like the execution, or I know that the execution is not beneficial. If you are not considering other factors, having a lack of faith in our eyes not being on Christ when we're having mental health struggles is just not true. There are so many complexities of having mental health struggles. There is a history of, there could be a history of trauma, whether that's in your childhood, your adolescence, your adulthood. You could be in a crisis. You could be in a season of a crisis. You could have a hormonal imbalance. You could have some sort of neurological disorder. There are so many different factors that come into play when it comes to our mental health. And to just put it in such a simplified box as a Christian and tell someone you are struggling because you need your eyes to be focused on Christ, that is not beneficial and it's ignorance. I will call it just as it is. That is ignorance. There is so much more to a mental health struggle than just keeping our eyes on Jesus. Now, I do advocate for keeping our eyes on Jesus in the struggle. Absolutely. Prayer, meditation, all of these things in worship are beneficial when our mind is racing with anxious thoughts. Absolutely. However, the lack thereof in your relationship with Christ is not the answer to tell someone when they are struggling. It's best that you leave that to the experts and to people who are a little more experienced and competent to mental health and the struggles that follow. So I just wanted to encourage my listeners today, whether you're a Christian or not, or maybe you don't even want anything to do with Christianity because you see that perhaps there's a struggle of acceptance with mental health, I'm here to tell you not every single Christian or pastor believes this. However, that's been my experience a lot, not everyone, but a lot with people who just do not know better. 
And I will apologize on their behalf. There is just so much ignorance around that. And I want to tell you the truth. And I I want to tell you there's help for you out there. And there's hope for you out there. And not all of us Christians think that way. So this is something that um, I hope that resonates with you as my audience member. If this resonated with you, I am so, so thankful for you to leave a five-star review. Give me feedback. I love to hear it. As I promised, I'm going to share a listener review. And this was actually on several episodes ago, I spoke on church trauma and church hurt. And she left a review that says, I love it. As a chaplain, this is a reoccurring assessment among my patients. Spiritual wounds are harder to heal than the physical ones. And she's absolutely correct. Thank you again for that by the way, that review. I really appreciate it. What these reviews do is it gets my content out. So if someone's searching for this specific topic, mental health, that helps my podcast to get out there into the world. And so I'd appreciate it if it did resonate with you and you enjoyed this to leave a five star and a review. And also, I do want to let you know, in my upcoming episode, it will be aired on September 11th, I introduce to you a new guest, and I'm really excited about this. This is going to be on a topic that I recently learned about, and I can identify with, and I think that it will be an interesting topic to you, so you do not want to miss this upcoming episode, and I thank you so much for listening today, and I hope you take care.